What's up, ladies and gentlemen? Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Live Free Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Mike Maxwell. Today's guest is Mr. Dave Persuay. He made his way up to the Live Free Compound to sit down for an interview. It was nice to have a, a face-to-face. It had been a little while. I've been doing a lot of these via Skype, which I'll continue to do because it's a sort of easy way to to make these things happen. Dave is a OG in the San Diego graffiti and art scene. Um, I've been following his work for over a decade easily, but it took a long time for us to meet, which seems to be the case often. Um, we met through Mike Giant, uh, uh, our mutual friend, um, and then I had curated a show at the Voice 1156 gallery called Giant vs. Giant, and it was a Mike Giant and Shepard Fairey show. Um, and I think that was actually the first time we met, but we, we talk about that uh, in the show. We also talk about jaw structure and Mr. Mike Giant, uh, van culture, early San Diego graffiti, after midnight, early creative support, American Stratford Press, ancestry, library system, gang, survival, Asia, home retail shop, John Lennon, Bunny Kitty, Halo of Sound, Morrissey, and Supermoon. Dave is a super rad guy. His his work ethic is is admirable and uh, really inspiring. Uh, his his attitude is always positive, and I, I don't know if I've ever seen him in a bad mood. I'm sure, like all of us, he gets in them, but uh, always super positive, big smile on his face, never like the weird attitudes that you get from some creative types. Uh, uh, just an all-around really cool guy and uh, a big inspiration. So uh, I hope you enjoy this interview. It's actually... The interview is a day late. I'm I'm a bit tardy here because I uh, I just signed up for a free week at the Black House Gym, uh, which is owned by the Noguera Brothers. Uh, I did my first kickboxing class yesterday, kickboxing slash Muay Thai class in the morning, and I did a gi jiu-jitsu class at night. And uh, today I am absolutely wrecked. The uh, kickboxing class was was a lot of fun, probably one of the most grueling workouts I'd had in a long time. Uh, it's a good reason why I'm so sore today. All the muscles in my back are just done for, and my arms feel like spaghetti from punching the, the heavy bag and kicking the heavy bag. And I got three nice lumps going down my uh, my shin and on my foot just from a lack of technique and not quite knowing what I'm doing yet. But I learned a great deal already. I feel stronger, which is amazing. Um, but I, I did that class. I did the kickboxing class in the morning, and then I did a uh, gi jiu-jitsu class at night. Halfway through the class, the halfway through the jiu-jitsu class, I was gassed. I, I had just the the warm-up calisthenics part before the class just killed me with the with the push-ups and the rolling and. The whole nine got me uh, feeling kind of nauseous. So halfway through the class, I felt like I was going to puke. And the first guy I rolled with, he was sort of an amateur too. He had he had had some experience, but it was only his second time in this particular class or something to that effect. And he was kind of taking it easy on me. And I noticed that the coach looked over and saw that like we were just like talking about it and not doing it because I was trying to figure out how to learn. But um, and at the same time, I was trying not to puke because I felt like fucking out of gas. 
Uh, so, so the coach looks over and tells the guy that he's rolling with this big 230 pound gorilla, uh, blue belt to go over and roll with me. So I'm like, Jesus Christ. So basically he just whoops my ass for 15 minutes straight, keeps tapping me, puts me in all kinds of messed up positions and just, just destroys me. He, he did a hip toss and threw me on the ground, rattled my, my brain and then after he whipped my ass for a little while, he gave me some some pointers, not that many, but I think he was just giving me my uh, my initiation maybe. But even though he whooped my ass, he did it in this sort of nice way. Like I thanked him for it <laughs> after it was done. But yeah, so that's why this uh, this podcast is a day late. And I I was supposed to go back today, but I'm so sore I couldn't even pick my arms up over my head. But I'll be back in the gym tomorrow, training kickboxing and jujitsu again. So hopefully, the goal is to uh, figure out how to tap that guy who uh, who basically whooped my ass for 15 minutes on my first day. So it's a hefty goal, but I think it, it's possible. So I'm gonna that's that's the plan. If any of you people are in San Diego and are interested in MMA and, and any of that, uh, the Noguera brothers and Anderson Silva and a bunch of UFC pros are actually going to be at the gym on April 2nd, uh, for their sort of grand opening. And also right now they're offering a free week. All you have to do is go on their website and, uh, and fill out the, the form and they'll give you a free week's pass, which gives you unlimited access to all the classes and, uh, and the gym as well. So they've been super nice. And for someone who's maybe interested in doing something like this, but is, is nervous about trying it for the first time, it's doable. I had virtually no experience. I had no experience. And uh, I was able to, to make it through a couple tough classes. But the jujitsu class ended up, it, it made me puke at the end. I uh, As soon as the class was over, I ran to the bathroom and I actually puked out of my nose a little bit puked in the trash can and then made it into the the stall and puked in the toilet a little bit. But then I felt better. And I know as soon as I'm done healing my muscles, I'm going to be much stronger than I was before. So I'm looking forward to that. So with all that said, um, of course, this show is sponsored by DSDshop.com, uh, DSD Clothing, uh, Brixton Clothing, Brixton Manufacturing, Brixton Co. I think they go by multiple monikers check them out brixton.com and keepabreast.org it's keep-a-breast.org make sure you go check out all those websites and help me support the people who are supporting the show Uh, make sure you go check out the blog mikemaxwellart.com Click on the blog link and you'll get all the information on all the guests on the show. You can also donate to the to the podcast if you like. I'm going to um, start the, the contest that I had mentioned in some previous episodes. Um, I'm going to start that again here shortly, probably, probably next week. So, of course, I have gift packs and some really cool stuff from all my sponsors. So I will be doing that um, next week, like I said. Check the blog and all that stuff. Um, and make sure you go download the, the show from iTunes. If you subscribe to the podcast over there, it helps me um, get the numbers up. And I'd like to get that number one spot on the top 200 in the visual arts category. 
And I think more and more people are talking about the show, which I, I really, really appreciate. And it seems like a lot of people are getting um, some rewards out of it as well, which is uh, more than gratifying. So thank you very much. And with all that said, ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, Mr. Dave Persway. You know, it's so funny how different we sound to ourselves than how the actual sound is. And I've actually learned from listening to the podcast so much what I actually sound like. And I can sort of hear it instead of what that sound is. It's the same thing. I think I busted my nose when I was young. Uh-huh. And it's also I got like this Eastern European like like nose and jaw structure too. Sure, sure. Which is, it almost seems like it comes out of like the Eastern part of the United States. Like... I, th- I think a lot of people from Pittsburgh have this same jaw structure, and I think it has something to do with the inhalation of steel and metal parts from th- our ancestors. Down really? Yeah. yeah. Uh, or is it something from, uh, well, Eastern Europe? Like, where are you? I mean, where's your family? Well, I, uh, I, I'm muddish. I have, uh, you know, Scotch-Irish yeah. is a big, is a majority. Yeah. Um, and then uh, my grandmother's family is from Poland. Yeah, so yeah. I think it comes from part of that, like this particular like flat note, like angled nose structure. Right. It's weird how our geographical location changes our facial structure. <laughs> right. It's, it's fucking it's strange. Thank you very much for yeah. doing the show. Okay. I appreciate it. Thanks cool. for coming up. We're live. Um, <laughs> I guess we've known each other a long time, but I don't think, I think we met through Mike Giant, right? Yeah. We may have ran in some similar circles, but didn't actually meet. Uh-huh. I think we have a, a lot of, uh, of mutual friends in the art world, and uh, Mike Giant, yes, definitely being one of them. Yeah. Did you? I think uh, you were curating his show. Oh, a voice. Yeah, a voice when yeah. you were doing the Giant versus Giant, which is really yeah. cool because you know Shepard had gone more towards disobey, and I remember in his early years he was really pushing Giant, and there was always this talk about you know. Giant yeah. versus giant. Well, and that was a big thing. A lot of people made a lot of <laughs> had a lot of confusion about that thing, uh-huh. which was funny, which was part of the reason why I did the show. Yeah. And I even had my own confusions about it when at the <clears throat> time when Mike was doing a lot of postering. Because see, I knew his uh-huh. figures and his characters right away. Right. And one thing that the one thing that confused me was that was the van image that Shepard did had a giant thing right. on the side of the van. And it was like kind of like a style like it Mike kind of had, yeah. yeah, but it was a font. And it, yeah, and it, right. fit, it was like a 70s like van yeah. font. Yeah, I mean, anybody could have drawn it almost. Right, yeah. it looked like a lot of like those old like 70s van uh-huh. magazine, like car culture, like illustrations and yeah. stuff, right? Yeah. Like totally fit that like. Uh, what's the fucking big beer guy? It. Yeah, yeah uh, at Hardy. Big Daddy Roth. Big Daddy Roth. Yeah, all those guys. Yeah. And so, like, big fan it, of Big Daddy Roth. Yeah. Like, yeah. And that font. So that font like confused me. I was like, giant. I was like, I know all these posters, but the posters usually have these big weird right. characters. And then I, because I knew his letter form. Right. And be, there was a kid who used to come to my that was I went to high school with that would bring in graffiti magazines where I grew up in the East County. So I saw a lot of like essay tags, yeah. sort of, and not yeah. a lot of like graffiti unless I got like it was here, but you had to look for it. You had to be in the right, right. ditches to find it. Yeah, you know, Which I a lot of East County, a lot of San Diego graffiti writers came out of the East oh, County. Oh, I know. A lot of the TBC guys came out of East County. Did you grow up in San Diego? 
I did. I was born and raised in San Diego, nice, but I was too. raised in, uh, I was born in La Jolla at uh, Sharp uh -huh. in 1972, and then was raised in Ranch Bernardo, and uh, there was, there was no graffiti up there. Yeah. It didn't exist. It was, it was funny because I was exposed to, you know, the, what was happening in music, mostly. So that's how, that's how you came across graffiti for the first time? Well, yeah, because I was, uh, I was listening to a lot of hip hop, you know, in 1988. Yeah. Is when I was introduced to the graffiti. Back to Mike, I guess, if we could. Yeah. You know, because he, uh, he was coming to San Diego from New Mexico all the time on vacation uh -huh. with his parents. And he was uh, obviously introduced to writing graffiti and he would come out here and link up with a lot of the originals and say, oh, you know, a lot of the, more of the guys that were doing pieces or, or one of those, the Kings, you know, if you will. The OGs. You know, yeah. You know, Zodak yeah. and Dyes. And, Which you know, from Zeno my, and from Quasar. My, from my perspective, I put you right in there with all those guys. Like well, for me. It, it had a lot to do with being mentored by Quasar. You yeah. know, because like he saw something in me. I came up through means of introduction to graffiti in a city that part of the city it didn't exist. You know, it had, was introduced to me by a friend that had brought it from his cousin down here in southeast San Diego. <laughs> right. You know, and he showed me his his Bible. You know, his his black book of his masterpieces, and inside these inside these books were just. I mean, it's full of color and style, and stuff, you know, styles and letters and characters that I found intriguing because I was I was kind of mimicking writing like a cholo or wanting to write those Blanca style, you know, fonts. I was attracted to that because yeah. uh, style I, didn't, I didn't have yeah, and uh, you know, I, I was just kind of like I was like the, I've always been like the error, you know, I was just like blown around because you know things within my family. And, you know, a divorce and all these kids and, you know, my mom moving around the city or, uh, you know, North County. And so I would yeah. run into writers up there first before coming to San Diego. Meeting these writers, like, uh, it it introduced me to a lot of things, like uh, a lot of reality to what was going on in the street. Yeah, it's a different world out there, right? When you first, yeah. when you first step into... You know, a reality that you're used to in like a waking nine to five day where people are sort of acting normal. Yeah. People act wild after everyone sort of goes inside. And you know, asleep. yeah. And my grandmother, I lived with my grandmother for years and she would always tell me, you know, especially my teenage years, nothing good happens outside after 10 o'clock. You know, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So I'm I, just uh, like, really? <laughs> so you know, I always had fun in the night though. You know? Since I've been uh, getting a little older, like I, I mostly, and I live kind of out in the mountains too i spend a lot of time just at home you know hanging yeah. out with my girl and doing my work it's what i, I find relaxing yeah you're so the other night I, I went out and stayed out till you know almost two for the first time in a long time yeah and just you know i smoked a big ass blunt yeah. and i watched just watched people for a, a couple hours just walk around pacific beach yeah. and cool. watch wild drunks just to <laughs> you know experience what everybody was up yeah. to and there's a was, lot of energy out there Oh, it's so different. It's yeah. such a different world, and it's important to catch it sometimes. I feed off of it. There's some, mysteri there's yeah, some there's mysteriousness a about. And I think that's why maybe uh, you know we haven't met up somewhat of a or met on you know more intimate terms you know before right. today. Yeah, you know? but that's how it happens. It's funny like that. Yeah, I'm 
excited about it. Right. But uh, so let's <clears throat> let's yeah. talk about like so. Obviously, graffiti was a was an early art influence. Did you have influences from the family? Did you have outside support besides in the school routine to be creative? I did. Yes, uh, my mother and my grandmother were huge supporters of 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 me. I guess you know. I mean, of all of, of all of my mother's children, she was always you know very. How many brothers loving. and sisters do you have? I have uh, three brothers and two sisters. So I'm one of the middles with, along with uh, my brother Peter, I live with. Uh -huh. Did and your mom do creative things? She did acting, and she was, you know, she wanted to be an actress and stuff. Uh -huh. And uh, she came from a very privileged background in upstate. She lived up in upstate New York, and uh, my grandfather and <clears throat> great grandfather started a book publishing company in New York called American Strapper Press. They were really successful. So she traveled around the world and, you know, went on cruises and mm -hmm. ate dinners with Charlie Chaplin. Like <laughs> yeah. You know? And, uh, That's right. Yeah. And, uh, you know, my father, he's a character, man. He's, he's a Bronx-made street kid. Uh-huh. You know? And, uh... A lot of that sort of mentality can play right over into being in a creative art world sort yeah, of mentality, too, yeah. and that, like, do-it-yourself. Well, it goes back even further. Uh, you know, I have a, a great uncle who, uh, his name is Nicole Schottenstein, or Satinstein, you know. He's, uh, he was a, a really well-renowned artist, um, or he was doing a lot of portraits, he was a really fine artist, and he was doing portraits of uh, royalty and movie stars, so people with dignity, so he was very... You know, uh -huh. Which is where portraiture yeah. was at at that time. Yeah. Until he, photography killed it. Yeah, right? <laughs> well, that's funny you say that. Um, <laughs> he, uh, yeah, so he drew uh, as a boy on his, you know, on butcher paper, uh -huh. and, uh, you know, accomplished a lot. He was knighted in Austria as a, you know, recognized artist i guess i don't know yeah you know, it seems like he was part of something that's something bigger yeah it's, weird how those, it's, it's some really of some sort it's rad how those lineages get passed along and some of the, yeah. that same blood like yeah. runs through us like because you know my mom is a is an artist she could like when i was young i always tried to draw as good as she could so i had like this like level that i tried to obtain to you know, so there was like a, a fun challenge for me and something, you know, a way to relate or whatever. Right. And, you know, my grandfather was a painter. My grandmother was a painter. And, you know, who knows what was before that. I know my one grandfather was like a train hustler. Right. He just disappeared one day. I want to do one of those shows that they have, like following <laughs> the lineages and like see if you track, see if I could track down some of those things because... With technology now, we can figure out a lot of stuff. I know. It so, just costs a lot of money. Yeah, right. You know, you I looked into it myself. It's like five hundred dollars. Really? Like, Shit. I, I haven't. Well, that I know. Far, yeah, so. I just know what like my grandmother can tell me. She's you know, so she's kind of like the family tree. Uh huh. Which I've been doing that, like taking notes of things of like who was who and who remembers what, right. and just <laughs> writing the names down. And there's enough. If you if you got enough moxie, you can do it without like a, a five hundred bucks. I think 
Yeah. If you just search the library systems, which are very, which is very doable. Like I use library systems to get all my music, all my DVDs, everything comes through the library, right. all brand new stuff. Yeah. And I could search all of San Diego County, and not in if the San Diego County Library doesn't have something that I'm looking for, it'll search the um, the San Diego universities. So like SDSU, San Diego, wow. uh, USD, UCSD, all that shit. Amazing how it's all connected. Yeah, and they'll bring it up right up here to my little mountain town uh, library. No way. Yeah, so I, I could walk to my library so, from here. Wow. You know, and pick up these books that were in the university. They make it so easy for us. It's great. And yeah. a lot of people don't even know and don't utilize it. Yeah. A lot yeah. of people think libraries are dying. Like, no fucking way. No, 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 no. Stop saying that because I use the shit out of them. Right. You know? You know, I just started reading. Good for you. Yeah, I mean, I've read. It's good a few for books. being good at Scrabble. Yeah, right. <laughs> That's right. So you had some, you had some early support going. Yeah, from my grandmother. Into it. Um, yeah, my my father went off. He was like gone as a teenager, and uh, I thought I could find some sort of uh, bonding with males through other means. You know, like with uh, you know, I thought gangs. Uh huh. Like, I thought that was cool because, like, the music that was kind of coming through, I was just gullible. Were you interested so in, new, you know? in mafia movies? Yeah, I loved them. Loved like Mexican, and, or yeah. like even like Italian like stuff. Yeah, right? Mexican, Italian. Yeah, all the mafia stuff: Jewish, yeah. Polish, yeah, Russian. <laughs> that's right. I wonder. That's an interesting time. I've never really thought about that. Because yeah, it's real, obvious, real time, sure. it's it's obvious. We see it a lot in like street gangs with just the like stereotype of fathers being gone, right. and you know these young kids looking for a, a male figure right. to run to 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 fit in somewhere. I mean, I didn't come from that. I, I mean, I came from a, a broken family, yeah. But yeah. I didn't want to. I think that the experience of meeting these writers going back to North County and meeting uh, the first wave of art, uh, writers up there. I was introduced to what would be considered the first generation of tag bangers. When that became a thing. Yeah, when that became a thing. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And uh, it was kind of a scary experience of like it involved like shotguns and um, being held to my head and stuff like that. Yeah, it was a lot uh, of violence. Yeah, and it was like uh, it was a really out of body experience, or just like not being there. And and there's got to be feeling. some sort of accountability to the society because we saw it on a whole mm -hmm. like violence you know with police brutality with like and <clears throat> maybe it was just that the the formulation of media building up then that we were becoming more aware of it right and it was always something that was happening which we just weren't quite hearing all right. the stories all the time like people didn't have a camera to take pictures of it and video cameras weren't so easily accessible and that shit became available and then the internet became available yeah. to fucking show the world that shit right so it was like you know maybe it was always happening definitely Pro and it still is really we live in a pretty violent world it seems like uh people thrive on it you know i was thinking about that this morning yeah just driving the car it's like there's no way to exist on this planet it's just human nature you know, and uh, how do you change? I mean, yeah, you can te teach your children, but as long as that machine's out there, you can't do anything about it. Yeah, you, you gotta know, change I, the well, machine. Well, you can. I mean, you can just go back to bartering. Right. We can. 
<laughs> it's, it's, it I, I'm totally a lot. I, I feel the same way. This, comes, just, this comes into the, the commune, you know, part of it. Right, right. Discussion. Which we were just talking about before we started recording um, yeah. about, you know, we were talking about living with family, how mm -hmm. culturally we've changed in America, um, seemingly based upon capitalism, you know, this idea that. You turn 18, you get the big fucking boot to the ass out the door. Yeah. You go to work. You uh, you you buy a, a three-bedroom house. You have two and a half kids with a two-car garage and a dog and a cat. And that's you that's on a white picket fence, right? That's real talk, man. Yeah. It, <laughs> and it, it, you could see it. like, in, You could see the degradation of it if you go through like from the 40s to the 50s of people still trying to fucking fight this idea right. into the 60s where... You know, we had a class of people who were like, fuck your system. I like the 60s. Oh, yeah, I'm into it. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, I, I always uh, sort of... Those guys had balls. I look I look with um, with pride to anyone who sort of bites the system back, you know, or, or even just chooses to defy it in some way yeah. or question it. Right. You know, like, if I go to a concert and they say, wave your hands in the sky, I don't ever do it. Yeah. You know, I don't stomp my feet at the, at the football game. Do you don't do it. No, yeah. just because I want to fucking question the system. I'm not going to be a sheep just because everybody else does something doesn't necessarily mean I'm going to do it. You don't find that harmonious feeling as one huge footprint on this game? I uh, <laughs> I can experience that. Yeah. But I definitely stand outside and and, and act as a viewer as opposed yeah. to a participant. Maybe that says something about me. Maybe. But... We'll work on that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it, it comes from that place. Like, just because somebody with a microphone and some sort of perceived, which I'm talking about a microphone now, it's so yeah. funny, so fucking <laughs> Somebody with perceived power, you know, or some sort of authority because they have, you know, a captivation of a room tells you to do something. Right. It's important not to just always do it, you know. And it, obviously, I use the concert analogy is sort of like a goof or whatever mm -hmm. but there is i i get what you're saying about i guess that's where the arts there. kind of take place and that's getting back to the roots of things and the roots that shaman being artists themselves and having that connection and that knowledge and that intuition you think that comes along work with work with seasons and work with the world as opposed to work against it that's that's what we need to sort of move back to that's why it's, I think a lot of people who are like survivalists and those sorts of like, even like the wackos who <clears throat> are like doomsday survivalist preparedness folks, mm -hmm. I think they're really fucking smart. And I think, uh, you know, because we could very easily have some sort of, with the shit that happened in Japan, yeah. with uh, just the way we survive on technology or are, are in need of it mm -hmm. is really really crazy and when shit goes awry and people don't have power for a week we've seen it people go fucking batshit and they don't know what to do and they wait for somebody to fucking save them right and you know we could attest a lot of those things or you know account them to to poverty and what people have and those sorts of things but if we get enough warnings that, hey, some shit could really go wrong at any moment, we, we have this idea that this world is so perfect, this little utopia spinning in space in this perfect little yeah. safety belt. Shit could go fucking wild at any moment. Like, it's it's important for us to be able to get back to those, like, shaman-type roots and be able to 
to live with the seasons, to be able to, to live off the earth, to be able to live without possessions, sure. which is a, you know, a Buddhist thing, which yeah. I've, I've been learning a lot about from Mike, who, to jump back to yeah. what we were talking yeah. about. You mm-hmm. know? And I, I don't know that a lot of us Westerners know how to do that. No, I think a lot of us are, I mean, uh, a lot of Westerners are foreign to it. And uh, it's just uh, when things are foreign, they shut it out. Um, I've been fortunate enough to travel through Asia and see it firsthand and to visit pagodas and be in the temples. And what was that like? What parts of Asia have you been to? South Korea, um, southern China, Hong Kong, uh, all throughout Vietnam, Japan. What, what were the experiences like as a Westerner, <clears throat> you know, culturally? Like maybe like the first time you went to. It's like a, visually, it's just overwhelming. I mean, depending where you're at, really, you could. I, I would go. I guess go to go back <laughs> to why I would go to Asia. I would go there on business for uh, shoe companies I was working for for uh, you know in the skateboard industry. Yeah. So I've, I have a long history in skateboarding. And working yeah industry. I want to talk about that too yeah. coming up like so, clothing and design and all that stuff yeah that's why I'd end up in Asia yeah. so well I think I, you know I I haven't had I've I've had the opportunity to visit a few foreign countries but not yeah. many and I, I noticed right away like a, a totally different like there's almost like going to a different country the the sun shines on yeah. the place a little different like Vietnam Vietnam is is like everything is gold like shades of gold and really kind of sage, like emeralds. And uh-huh. This is beautiful, uh, the colors. Every, I mean, I look at colors, like everything is so saturated to me. You know? Yeah, yeah. Art thing. Yeah, yeah, art <laughs> thing. And the age of things, too. When we, Because we're such a baby country, we're, yeah. like a, we're still like an infant. Yeah. And the noise is like this echo, you know. So it's a different one that you're hearing here in the States, like, for example, in Asia, it's polite to use your horn when driving as a courtesy to people around you because people are on mopeds Yeah. and traveling at high speeds and there's buses and everybody's together, you know, on this yeah. road. So it's like, different oh, words, different sounds yeah. for different meanings. Yeah, you know, and uh, here, you know, if you honk on your horn, you know, you're afraid, you know, you're going to fucking... Yeah, you're telling somebody to go fuck themselves. Yeah, you know, instead <laughs> of like, hey, you know. Yeah, yeah, that shit is weird. So, but you're I, a, you're a small business owner, right, or yeah. a partner? You you work with, with the fans, right? Yeah, that's awesome. We work together. We well, have, uh, do you want to you want to talk about that? You have a shop. Yeah, we have two stores. Um, we do retail, um, new and used clothing. It's a store by the name of Home. Uh, the name Home has been in our family. Since 1969, uh, when our uncle had uh, originally opened a bar and restaurant in New York City, he had this bar for about 10 years. And uh, it was a safe haven for a lot of uh, artists and musicians. He met a lot of um, of these people, obviously, and, and partied with them and, uh-huh. and uh, had this, this bar home. And, and they designed this logo for this place. And... Uh, it was the place to be, I guess, up there. And, uh, well, anyways, he had met John Lennon one night. John had come into the, the bar. Uh-huh. And, uh, I mean, they were introduced, obviously, and they became really good friends. And mainly because I think our uncle was dying of, of cancer. And uh-huh. John was, you know, afraid of death. It's funny because, you know, he writes of our uncle in journals. And he, you know, 
wears he wore the home shirts in his album sleeves uh-huh. uh or the sleeves of his albums uh or records um and also you know in many pictures you see him wearing it yeah. and he dedicated things to our uncles or or you know sayings to our uncles like a moment in your life so we kind of play with this and we brand this aspect of it and pay on you know homage to our uncle and yeah, to John awesome. and their relationship and yeah we just and then we also do the fashion, so it's a mix between new and used clothing. Right, and, and you're continuing well. that sort of entrepreneurial spirit. Too, yeah, right? uh huh. And I think that comes from working in the skate industry for so long. Uh huh. Because I got to uh, see firsthand how these multi-million-dollar shoe companies came from nothing to yeah. to what they are today. Was that your dad's brother? That was my father's brother. Yeah, yeah. Richard Richard Ross. And that's they, they were Jewish. Uh, yeah. Yeah, they're Jewish, Romanian Jews. Uh-huh. Which, you know, have you read... Which um, is kind of gypsy. They're, my father's always talking about being gypsy. Have you read Outliers no. by Malcolm Gladwell? No. might be something you'd be interested in, in reading because um, he talks about, in the book, about how our, our heritages, um, like what we were talking about, pass on, and, and certain uh, instincts become sort of genetically passed on. Yeah. And he talks about families in Asia working in, in the rice paddy fields and sort of what work ethics came out of a, a line of... Hard, of, hard working. Yeah, of a line of, of yeah. just a short generation of people. Right. And he also does a story about um, Jewish textile workers in New York. Yep. At the you know at the With turn of the family. century, yeah. right? I had family in that. Business. So the the story would totally fit you. Side. So it's like it, you know a lot of people think that the outlanders, uh, outliers, outliers. I'll send you a link to it. Thank you. It's like they think uh, you know a lot of like like Jewish kids become doctors and lawyers because of like their <laughs> nagging mom, you know, like the stereotype, right? But uh, but yeah. he shows that like a lot of it comes from this particular work ethic really? that came from oh, working in these the textile okay. these textile businesses and you okay. know he uses specific families yeah. to, to tell these stories, but you can kind of relate the lineages to to your own Yeah, interesting. Story. Interesting. Yeah. And a lot of that stuff passes and it's <laughs> one of those things that we don't ever think about because it's just like we're like in like right now. Yeah. But that could, same blood is still running through us that was running uh, I could use the enlightenment. Thou, yeah. Cool. Yeah, I'll say his books are really good. He did um the book Tipping Point too. Yeah, I've heard of that. Uh, he has a few that are that are really good. So yeah, you, so you, you you do the the shop. Um, you are what what is the design aspect? Where does that come in with uh, to doing the the original stuff? Are you doing with home stuff? Yeah. I mean, oh well, we pull inspiration from you know uh, our uncle and from John, and uh, because we well what we'll do is just reprint some of the original designs. Uh, are you doing mostly t-shirts? Are you doing uh, yeah, we'll do T-shirts and uh, recycled uh, like crew necks or short sleeve uh, sweatshirts, you know, nice. that are all vintage. So we'll go out and find old vintage sweatshirts. And where Where is the these. store at? Or the, oh, we oh, we sure. have yeah, we have one in North Park that we just opened nine months ago. It's on Thirtieth and University, uh, and then uh, we have the Encinitas, which is up there uh, on the one hundred and one. At uh, like uh, we're close to uh, uh, D Street or just south of the La Paloma Theater. So we we touched a little bit on graffiti, 
Uh, you're, yeah. You also do more fine art stuff as well. Is yeah, there, you, I, you know, I'm kind of all over the place, man. You know, I kind of... It's the creative bizarre. mentality. Yeah, you know, I'm a renaissance man, not going to lie. Good. You know, I take on a lot of shit. Yeah. Do you ever feel overworked from it? No. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you said, well, you said you like to you like to pack a lot on your shoulders. And yeah, it's the energy. It's like this... What's that it's statue called? The dude with the earth on it? What's it? You know, the fucking big yeah. god with the... Uh-huh. I forget what that's called. So, yeah, you, you like to do paintings and... Yeah, um, I'll just experiment. Really, that's what it is. And I like to paint people. Mm-hmm. You know, I've I've done a few of those. I'll, I'd like to do some more. You know, I the thing is, by being so all over the place, it's hard to concentrate on one thing. Yeah, I hear that. So I really rely on putting things on my shoulder and having deadlines and then approaching. I, It's like this burst. You just build up the energy yeah. and then the fucking like volcano. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, with, uh, you know, painting or, you know, writing graffiti, I could, it's so instant. It's like I could grab a bag of paint and be out the door and go paint a piece. Yeah, and be done. And, uh, yeah, and be finished, and yeah. it, it looks nice. Yeah. And, like, leave it. Well, one of the things I did want to talk to you about graffiti, since I kind of we got around it, um, there's a sort of level of, uh, like, bravado that comes within the graffiti world. And, you know, we talked about a little bit, like, the, the tag-banging thing, like, the ego that comes along with it, which... I think a lot of us in the creative world, especially from broken homes, are like we're out there trying to get a little extra attention that that maybe wasn't there. Mm-hmm. Which I I totally fit that same yeah. category too. I'm not like it's like listen to my shit. sad story. Yeah, but I mean, as a teen, you know, that we just learned we we I've learned. I think a lot of it comes from getting control because as yeah. kids, we if, if we come from a house where it's not a, a really normal functioning place, which I don't know if anyone comes from. I don't know if that even exists. Well, for one, mm. uh, we often go out and and do these things because we have control. It's like here's this thing that I'm doing without anybody else saying anything about right. it, and then not only that, but there's something illegal to it yes. too. So it's like you're like. I'm even I'm even going over your head. I'm going over my parents' head. I'm going over your head. And there's something that, like real graffiti writers. It's like there's this, always it's something like this about above, that above the law type mentality. Yeah, type which game. I told uh, I this, admire this freedom. Yeah, I admire yeah. it's definitely a, a freedom. Yeah. But there's something in the work that you do that seems less egotistical. And I I don't know if it's because I know you as a person now. Right. But even like. Some of like the reoccurring figures and like even like the 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 lettering style it it doesn't have like that like I'm fucking hard and I'm gonna punch you in the mouth if yeah. you come say something to me like there's a humbleness to you yeah. that I even see in the work that I think I saw in the work before we met. It's funny you say that. Um, my one of my mentors and great friends, um, you know, this, uh, he's a writer out of New York. He writes Wayne. He always. Uh, you know, hey, put more arrows on your piece. Why don't you have any arrows? It needs more arrows. And I'm just like, I feel like I need arrows. Yeah. I'm like, I have nothing to, nothing to hide. You know, I'm approachable. You know, I mean, <laughs> I, you know, but like, I, the, the style comes through still, you know, like there's something about it that there is movement in it. Yeah. And there's, it's like this, uh, 
it's almost like action painting and like when you paint it it's like a, a bit like the best way to describe it is as if you were to you know do this dance it's like your peacock feathers you know uh-huh and uh yeah you know the i don't know i mean yeah i don't know how to uh, how to put it any other way yeah well uh, even i, even I you your... know what it is I, I i i genuinely like people you know, but, you know, I'm afraid of them at the same time. <laughs> Which is probably <laughs> a happy medium to have. But, you, I mean, you you have a reoccurring character called Bunny Kitty. Yeah. I mean, there's kitty. something very not, like, like hard-up graffiti, like this stereotype about no, that. not at all. Which I think works so well for me. Like, <laughs> something that, to be able to laugh at something that a lot of people take, like, way, way too seriously. Yeah is refreshing you know it's like oh okay you know and you would find that there's a lot of people with the same mindset yeah you know, a lot of my friends that i paint with are like this but uh they find it refreshing they, well, or? They, well they have a, uh, their own approach mm -hmm. you know their their individual approach to it yeah and uh, so this just so happens to be mine right now <laughs> yeah that's funny you know? it's, it's it's awesome that it shows through like it shows a, a level of um purity uh -huh. or something that it's like not like not a, There's a little sex appeal to bunny kitty too oh know. no doubt so, no doubt it's, it's you know, ladies you got, it's like <laughs> it's like jay-z talks about when he makes albums that he yeah. like has the few tracks but always gotta have those lady right. tracks it's a on swagger, you, know? you gotta have the club track the <laughs> <laughs> it goes go about to music i'm all about you know i'm i'm appreciate music and like so that's how music influenced me you know like when i first drew this character bunny kitty I had this song in my head that I was listening to. It was a, a song by Catherine Wheel, The Nude. And the song was playing over, and I had the headphones on, and I looked into this character on the computer, and I was like, oh, I think I'm going to fuck with this thing. Yeah, nice. You know? And um, it was funny power because, music. yeah, it was like Tilt and Fafi were doing such really cool things together uh -huh. at the time. And I remember they came to San Diego, and I was I had already started pushing bunny kidding. And I had my stickers and stuff like that. And I was like, oh, you know, I'm representing a part of me, a different part, you know, yeah. something that was inspired by, say, you know, my sisters, you know, because she was really into Hello Kitty and stuff. Right, like that. right. And, uh, but, you know, Bunny Kitty, she was, she knows about, she can relate to a lot of people, I guess, because, or the character can relate to a lot of people because, you know, a lot of the struggle. You know, there's a story that I've written about it. It's just, I'm lagging on putting it out. <laughs> Are you going to? <laughs> you... Yeah, I'm going to. I'm definitely going to. I've what what kind of plans on. you got? Uh, I like to do the illustrations and do a video uh, with, a, you know, a voiceover to it. Uh, a full animation? Yeah, but probably without even, it won't be movements. It'll be more about the paintings. Like a storybook style, uh -huh. and then um, what if you did? Uh... I want to do chapters like that. Go. At, I've only written the first three, but I'm living like I'm living Bunny Kitty right now. Yeah, because so you of need meeting more... the friends because like I, I want to build with friends and crewmates and pull them into writing stories or writing music because yeah. I'm making music now. Nice. So I'm, I'm composing music with a couple of friends. What type of music are you making? Well, it's. Uh, it's called headband, <laughs> which we talked about. Which we talked right. about, yeah. And uh, it's just this uh, this halo of, of sound. Are you are you doing it all electronically? 
some of it's electronic. I'm uh, going back and forth between drum machines and playing bass and uh, even, you know, making, you know, singing. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Since I started doing this, like I've been getting more and more interested in like the recording process. Yeah. Uh-huh. It's fine. I, uh, I went up to Keep Abreast, which is up at the Macbeth offices, uh-huh. and got to see the Angels and Airways recording studio. Oh, I saw there. the pictures on your blog. Oh, Impressive. my. Oh, my. Their studio is so nice. Well, I, was it on your blog you put it on? Did yeah, you? but I that that's like their offices area. Oh, well, that was nice, too. <laughs> yeah, that's just the office. They have a, a, like a whole separate what recording a, what studio. What artistic little setup they have there. And they have a little stage room, like yeah. a little performance, like to yeah. practice, like a practice performance room. So nice, all nice wood. Oh, yeah. That's what we're. That's what I like to turn uh, home into. <laughs> <That'd>, <laughs> to have that movement. That would be amazing. Yeah, and like so. what you said, like having, and that would be like passing your uncle sing along with yeah. having a place for artists to have like a safe haven that's right which i've wanted to do that too um which i've talked about doing this gallery downtown for a while uh with some people that i work with uh-huh. and it would really i really want to do something different than like a typical brick and mortar gallery like here's art on the wall buy it like i want it to be more of a community yeah which it sounds like you you're kind of on the same pathway definitely you know definitely. we it looks like I mean, we're doing a lot of stuff with the people in the community also, you know, like, you know, artwork or this headband project is, you know, I mean, we, we rehearse on top of Queen Bees and this, uh, Queen Bees is an art culture center up there in North Park. Uh-huh. And they have, like, they do all sorts of different, you know, nights there. Somebody just brought that up to me and I wasn't familiar. Oh, it's a great venue. And, uh, but we rehearse on, on top in a small little art studio that my uh, friend Gremlin has. It's just, I don't know, there's something old about the place. It's, we had a really cool rehearsal last night when we just sat down. The guitarist just hit the first opening notes, and then I just fell right into it. And so did the drum, you know, um, you know, Gremlin, he's on the, uh, he's on the beat machine making these, you know, these, these sounds it's like these wizard sounds it's a weird connection huh? yeah so like there's this weird bubble of energy and, and sound that's happening and uh sound 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 i don't know <laughs> music we're, well, we, but we don't, we're not putting any it, there's no structure to it it's just you know whether we take it serious or not it's just this moment yeah and it sounds well, good and it sounds good you know yeah, yeah. so that's all it is which, you know, we're finding out more and more that our cells and all the little atoms that we have are constantly communicating. Yeah, you know, funny you say that. Um, I've had some experiences with friends of mine dying, you know, at a young age. And uh, I had a friend, a really close friend that I grew up with. He uh, had an accident in England where he fell and broke his neck. And that morning I had woken up and I couldn't, my neck was being pulled to one side and I could I knew I could stop myself but I couldn't like there was something there pulling some greater force uh-huh. and I strained my neck and uh, I went to work that morning and a friend of mine came in and asked me if I had heard about my best friend wow. you know who had died yeah in this accident and uh, to feel that energy and that you know, my grandmother was like, well, you know, the human, the, 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 
body is like a radio, you know, it picks up, it picks up energy, or picks the energy up, yeah. antennas, you yeah, know, totally. to communication, right. and we're just not used to doing it because we're dumbed down. Yeah, we've moved away. We've got thicker skulls. Yeah, our it's the cal well, it's big. the calcium on your uh, third eye. On your that, that's what some people say. Yeah, <laughs> I got a little pine cone on my. Oh, do you? Yeah, there it is. It's a nice one. It's rad that you're doing the music thing, and it's since you've been in the San Diego art scene forever, for as long as I've yeah. been in it for sure, um, and well over that. There was really like a movement happening just before September 11th, like the mid 90s into the like the like 99, 98 era yeah. Yeah. were really cool in San Diego. There was a lot of like independent music happening. Pin there back. was a lot of there was a lot of artists yeah. doing things. There was a lot of stuff going on on the streets. There was yeah. a lot of like big murals and graffiti. Yeah. There was like a movement happening. And I talked about this with um, Tim Burton, who is a music producer in San Diego here yeah. and show promoter and stuff. And he, he agreed because I, we used to go to the loft downtown and they do all the hip hop battles and stuff down there. Mm -hmm. There's all kinds of stuff going on, but then we got September 11th and we all sort of, went inward and kind of separated ourselves and didn't get involved in, you know, big group things and right. just kind of congregated to ourselves right. out of fear or whatever comes along with that. Definitely. And I feel like we are now coming out of that like decade long hangover. Right. Where we've just been fucked for 10 years. Like Jesus Christ, this horrible thing has happened. And I see like a resurgence of what you said, like people getting together and making music just for the sake of like, creativity mm -hmm. you know for those rewards that come out of that not like to go beyond mtv because mtv doesn't even play videos anymore you know like we don't have it's not necessarily about fame now it's like it's like something more internal yeah and i think that it's about uh, also making something happen again in your city you know like in san diego like i feel that it's it's back yeah it's there you know like i think that there's a lot of really talented musicians and business owners and entrepreneurs and, yeah. and uh, artists. It's exciting. It's I think it's It's always been exciting. Everywhere. Well, no, actually, you're right. You know, like, during the 90s, like, I, I kind of stopped painting a lot in San Diego, like, with, with graffiti and stuff like that. I saved it for traveling. Mm -hmm. You know? I'd do a couple things here and there, but I was kind of mad at San Diego. It was weird. I could see that. <laughs> I could see that then. You know what I mean? Yeah. But looking back on it now, in comparison to what it is right at, at present day, right. you know, or what the last 10 years has been like, like artistically cultured, it's it's been pretty lacking, yeah. in my opinion. You know, I could be just perceiving my own experience and, and projecting it. Right. But I don't know. It's it's Yeah, I don't know. I mean there's always there's a handful of artists that are that have the ability to, abilities to make they're living off of being an artist. Yeah. They're doing it to a degree. Yeah. I get I, I get a little frustrated with the lack of professional artists in San Diego. Yeah. And I and it's not like I I'm placing blame or like saying you're not doing the thing you're supposed to do because it's like it's hard as shit. Yeah. But it's crazy how many professional artists, like full time like people doing things we see in Los Angeles and San Francisco that are not that far away. We got the internet. We we know what's going on. Right. And I think I think if I do place blame, it becomes 
it boils down to two things. Uh, one, artists not pushing themselves for far enough or hard enough to really expand their minds and really move out and do something really strong, which I think takes a particular mindset to do. And two, a lack of support for an artistic culture in San Diego from the people who we need to get support from. Because it's important not only for artists to be making good work, but we also need the people in the community to be purchasing the work, and we need the people to be telling their friends to also go purchase the yeah. work. So we need a community that communicates. Right. You're absolutely right. Even as artists, you know, the artists need to communicate. Yeah. There was a lot lost uh, in San Diego. There was a big sting operation in the 90s. Uh, when it came to you know graffiti and shutting down you know to put in a which a was dent. a big end yeah which was kind of cool in a sense because it filters out all the stuff that you know, people that might not want to be involved or want to do it anyways yeah you know because which we see from the depression and from yeah. you know market shift I mean it's not for everyone it's not so easy just to kind of like approach a wall it takes a certain person to do it yeah in all aspects whether it be doing it legally or legally right. Or even making a painting. Yeah, and even getting notoriety out of it. Right. So it seems like it seems like a lot of times, that our city in particular, uh, is is too focused in on itself. Mm -hmm. Maybe that they're not like it, I. I know it's important not to become influenced yeah. too much, but it's also important to see what's happening out right. there so that you know where you need to. Yourself, I think for me personally, I, I got disconnected from San Diego, even when I lived in San Diego, I, because I, I was traveling same. everywhere. I spent a lot of time on the road, Yeah. and then coming back to San Diego was just like a safe haven. Yeah. I didn't have to really communicate to too many people, because yeah. I had gone and painted, you know, like I was putting in work. So. Right, and not only that, you were also experiencing all those things out there in those other cities yeah. too, you know, which I think is a big problem for San Diego. Yeah, particularly you know, the people who are actually going out there and buying some some works that they mm -hmm. don't know what else is going on right. in this art world because we're so sort of sheltered by our fucking great weather. <laughs> right. <laughs> how fucking nice it is to go outside. Hey, I surf too. I'll, I'll hey, paddle out. I, I, I don't hate it, man. I fucking love it. That's why you know I'm planning. I relate. I love the San Diego sunshine. Sure. That's right. why I've never left San Diego sunshine. Yeah. No, I don't know. I, I've left plenty of times. I've just always come. So I don't know, that's something that sort of bugs me sometimes. But, yeah, I think, no, you're but maybe right. we're coming out of that fucking yeah, thing I feel over more, and we're I feel, forward. Me personally, I feel more connected to San Diego now. Now that I've taken myself out of like working in the skateboard industry, I'm now working more around the family business and a, and a focused part of the city and building with more artists and you know even promoting nights. I'm do, I do a, a Smith's Tribute Night. A Smith Morrissey Brick Pop tribute night with uh, sorry Mike Irons and Profile. Let's uh let's let's plug your stuff that you got going. Yeah. I mean, since you, you got Saturday a night. Fire thing, <laughs> it's coming out this Saturday. Yeah, Saturday night at the right, Lincoln well, Room. The show won't be up until next week. Oh, okay, never mind. But we'll talk. <laughs> we'll say that it was awesome. Yeah. So yeah, we do uh we do once a month a Smith. I'll night. put it on the website though. Yeah, and I'm the host for it, so I bring my vinyl because I, I was so into buying all these. First, when New Wave was starting to hit the States, or not even hitting the States, I was buying import records. I was really into buying music. Mm -hmm. So I was discovering bands, you know, even putting a lot of people onto bands in, in the parts of towns that I was living in. Nice. You know, um, 
I played music with, uh, or I had a band in high school with, uh, with uh, Jason Hill from Louis the Fourteenth and Convoy. Oh, yeah, yeah, I played yeah. with him. I played bass in a band. With him. Nice. That's pretty fun. That's awesome. That's my. Uh, well, let's uh, let's plug your stuff so that people could find the work that you do, your website or the store's website. Yeah, uh, let's see. Store website for home is homeclothinggallery.com. Uh, if you want to see some of my postings on my blog, it is uh, it's bunnykitty.blogspot. Are you you're gonna, gonna do the music show or the the Morrissey show? Yeah, we're doing the Morrissey show this uh, this Saturday. We Are do you, it once a month. Yeah, so the yeah, so it's a traveling show that I do with uh, Mike Iron and uh, and uh, Profile. So and we have special guests and. I'm the host, and we play a bunch of uh, rarities, and you know, get all get all nice. you know, smissed out. That's this Saturday. Uh, this is yeah, Saturday the, for the event that you're getting right uh -huh. for. You know, there's um, a super moon happening. Oh no! It happens once every twenty years. Oh okay. And what it is is the moon will be closer to Earth than it than it typically is <laughs> because the moon around Earth is on uh, orbit. It's yeah. it's. So right. it's like an oval, right. and one side of the orbit is a little bit longer than the other side. Like an egg. Yeah, so the moon is going to be on the short side of the egg. So the Earth, when the moon comes up over the horizon on the 19th, it's going to be bigger than, it's going to be like 30% bigger Same. than it normally is. Cool. So you know when the moon comes up, it always looks bigger anyway because of that weird uh, optical illusion that happens. Right. Uh, it's going to look for, like 40% or 30% bigger. So where are you going to go watch this moon? Well, I live in the mountains, dude. I'm kind of outside of the city. I can go walk right sure, out go here. Up on the hill, right? Yeah, I can go see it pretty rad. It's supposed to. You, you, you. They say you'll be able to read a newspaper. And if you're out in the desert, you know where there's actually no city lights at all. Yeah. It'll actually you'll cast a shadow. Right. The moon. It'll be that bright. Right. I, yeah. I mean, Norway is like that. I traveled to, to Norway, and uh, I mean, it's the the sun's out. I mean, the sun doesn't go down. Yeah. Did you, you know? get to see the Aurora Borealis? No. That would yeah, be so rad see to that. see. Yeah. I'm not sure about All right, cool. Well, yeah. thanks for doing the show, man. Was yeah, it? thanks, Mike. We didn't talk about psychedelics, but maybe we'll save that for next Yeah, time. you know, that's all good. <laughs> <laughs> all right, brother. Let's Thank you. Thank you. Yeah.
was the best sex that she ever had. Showing a chest. 